0: All right. Good morning. If you missed the first intro, my name is Kaipo Thomas. Definitely an honor to be with you this morning. Thanks for joining us today. If you are catching up with us for the first time, we are in our Christmas season. And we've been talking about the great miracle of God being with us. You guys ever say that to yourself in the morning, that God is with you? me or realize that throughout the day, it's not hocus-pocus, man. You know, for all those who call on the name of Jesus, he's he's there. Amen? We've been basing this uh, series in uh, Isaiah chapter 7, 14, a uh, prophecy that was spoken over Jesus that said, a virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means... God with us. Last week we talked about the, the truth that, you know, we can enjoy God on the, the mountaintop experiences, right? Life is going good. Prayers are being answered. You know, you're waking up on the, the right side of the bed every day. But it's in the, in the valleys where we get to see parts of God that you really can't see in the mountaintops, right? Really getting to know God personally and intimately when you've got no place else to to go, you know, and so that was uh, last week, right, God with us in, in the, not just on the mountaintops, but with us in the valley, and this morning we get to talk about uh, God being with us in the, the wilderness. The wilderness is uh, something we talked about recently um, in, in the previous series, this word eromos, right, it, it's it's one word in the Greek that gets used for a variety of different things, uh, wilderness, des- deserted place, a desolate place. In the Hebrew, midbar is that same, you know, shared word. And so, you know, these places that are, are lonely and it's not, sometimes it's a description of a physical place. Sometimes it's a description of a, a spiritual place, a place that we, we go to where it's just like, man, I'm kind of trotting to through some of these areas. In the, in the Old Testament, um, that word it is, is finds itself in the season when the nation of Israel was wandering in the desert. That desert, deserted wilderness is that midball word, right? Forty years, they were, you know, less than a month's away from the promised land, but because they disobeyed God and, you know, God's like, well, we're going to have to wait for a generation to pass before we enter there. That whole season was a season of wandering. It wasn't their home. It wasn't the final destination place. But yet, God needed them to be there for a season. And and when we're talking about wildernesses, in in comparison to a valley, the valley, chances are, are are shorter-term spots. The wilderness is a place that's as far as time goes, can be a little bit longer. Yeah? Um, you you can find these in uh, maybe maybe a stage of life. You know, I I was thinking about, uh, when I was thinking about this sermon and thinking about stages and, and times and ages, I think middle school, wilderness. You know, puberty, friends, boyfriend, girlfriend stuff. I look back and I'm like, that's a legit wilderness. But I met with God in that time. You know, God was with me in the wilderness. Anybody, middle school converts, like you met Jesus in your Middle school days, and you're like, bruh, I was praying in those times, you know? Um, you know, relationships can be a wilderness, right? A st- stages, like in you're say in your singleness. You're like, man, longing, longing, longing for someone, you know, and you're just kind of stuck in there. Or then you find someone, and then you realize it was maybe better then, you know? <laughs> And then, you know, sometimes for whatever reason, people get married. And then, you know, there's changes that happen, right? I mean, everything under the sun, is always changes. And you wake up one morning and you're like, whoa, this is not what I signed up to be with, you know? And, uh, that, and you kind of committed already. You cannot leave. And you're just like, okay, every day. You, you're just working and you're working and you're working at it, you know? That, that could definitely be a, a wilderness. Um, seasons of addiction, Right? There's the the pre-Christ life, and I did whatever I wanted to do, and then now you met the Lord, and now it's like, God's like, there's a better way, and there's just hard to leave the stickiness of the world. You know, how you treated people, how you treated, um, you know, your purity, how you treated substances, and that just can kind of get like, man, is there ever going to be an an end to this, right? Right? you know, I, I talked to some of you, and, you know, I've heard some of your stories, and, you know, some people have, uh, I'm supposed to be clicking over here, sorry, i just I just I just talking over here. Um, you know, f- some, some people have financial wildernesses, where they, they're making good decisions, they're trying to get out of debt, and then COVID hits, right? You lose your job. And then the economy opens up, boom, I get another job, and I'm going good again, you know, and then the fires happen, and maybe your business is in Lahaina, and you're like, oh. I'm back at it again, you know, and you're just like, can I ever get a break, right? Like, why is this happening to me? God, I go into church, I'm saying my prayers, I'm reading my Bible, and it just I feel like I'm walking in the mud every day, you know? I feel like my tires are flat, and I'm like, man, I just cannot get out of here. Um, and there's also spiritual ones. So, so when we're talking about wilderness, some of those we sign up for, right? We make decisions that aren't the best, and you wake up one morning, you're like, whoa, I'm not on the mountaintop. I've been sliding down this hill fast because of the decisions. And you come to this awareness, and you're like, whoa, I'm already, I'm kind of in this season, right? Some of them are because of the world that we live in, right? Maybe because of our government and president or whatever. You're, you find yourself like, wow, that's different. Like my world that I'm living in now is a kind of a wilderness, right? Some of it is God-led, though, right? Where God's like, ready? I love you. I care for you. It's time to journey. Here's a couple of verses, Hebrews chapter twelve. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons and daughters, uh, my son and daughter? Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when he when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, and chastises every child of God, right, whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God's treating you as a son. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are um, left without discipline in which all have uh, participated, then you are illegitimate children and not actually his child. Besides this, we have earthly fathers whom have disciplined us, and we respect them for it. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father, of the spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness That for those who have been trained by it. That word training has this time on it, right? Righteousness is not... Our living, it's right living, according to whose standards? God's standards, right? Righteousness, holiness, godliness, all you, those are pretty much all the same words with the same meaning, trying to be more like God. And, and there's, some godliness can only be birthed in our lives through a season of sifting, through a season of pruning, ouch, right? You should feel a little bit like, oh, this is, good morning, how are we doing? God's got some gifts for us today, <laughs> Amen. Right, I mean, it's just that you think about gifts, right? That you open on presents. Like in order to get to the inside, you got to rip everything that's on the outside. Kind of nuts. You never thought about Christmas theology. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> think about it different this morning, right? Um, you guys to be second guessing. Should I wrap this? Should I not wrap it? Yes, you should wrap it. Here's, here's another one. James uh, James chapter one two through four. uh, count it all joy brothers and sisters when you meet trials of various kinds wait is that right james james the brother jesus count it all what joy when we face trials of all that doesn't make any sense right (laughs) count it all joy though when we face face those trials for you know that the testing of your faith produces that the what of your faith the testing of your faith develops something that you never have before right steadfastness And Steadfastness has to have the full effect so that you are perfect, right? Complete, not lacking in anything. What is that? Godliness, holiness, righteousness, right? And the process that God uses it is this good Christian word, sanctification, right? This this word of purging. Purging what? The things that are in the world that's in us that's not of God, right? Anything that's in me that isn't of God, that is of the world, that is of myself, that is of my past, that has to get removed somehow. Either willfully we do it or God's like, I love you enough to not let you go limping along. And maybe it's a valley, short term. Maybe it's a wilderness, right? We're going to talk about storms in life, you know, that may be really intense, but then there's some respite that comes quicker. You know, this morning, when we're talking about wilderness, it can go a little bit little bit longer. Um, you know, I, I, when I was thinking about this verse this morning, uh, <clears throat> I was thinking about my mom and how I may have been a wilderness for her. Um, <laughs> You know, I came back from college, and uh, my major was theology and philosophy, and I came back, and my mom would, I don't know, like, she wanted some compassion for me, but I never learned that in college, you know? I needed time to, oh, man. I definitely was a wilderness for her. But my mom would, you know, con- you know there's life and there's things, and she would tell me about things, and I, I would quote this verse for her. I'm like, Mom, consider all joy. God is working this out for you. And she's like, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. You know, like she wanted compassion and love and gentleness, and I just gave her the word and just, sorry, mom. She's not here this morning, but I will call her later and just apologize for being part of that wilderness for her. Um, And the wilderness experiences often follow mountaintop experiences, right? And we see that in um, Jesus when he's baptized, right? He gets baptized, the heavens open up, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove on him, all those around there hear this voice. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased, my beloved son. This mountaintop experience, right? Being honored by God in the heavens, so good, so glorified. And then he ends up in the Eremos, right? Led by the Spirit, led by God into fasting. we talked about this, like that the Eremos was a place where Jesus found strength, and he would often go back to this place, right? But it's also a place where there's nothing there but the Lord. If it's a place that you visit often, right, you can be conditioned into doing that. Most of us are in a place of comfort. Amen? Right? When I was younger, God led me into these seasons. And I, as an adult now, I remember, like, man, some of these seasons are real bad. And, and a lot of my prayers have shifted. I'm like, God, just the answer is yes. Let me know what is wrong and give me the strength to do it. And I'm going to try to, my hardest to change it, right? i like, I want to do it on the mountaintop. Make the changes rather than in the wilderness because the wilderness, the valleys, the storms can be real tough, right? I'm just like, man, I hate hurting myself. I hate hurting people, right? I'm just like, God, I I don't want to be hard headed, right? I don't want to be numb to your voice. Like, can I willfully just like find out what is wrong and do it before the wilderness? Like, I don't know, create my own little, it's like strength training. Anybody there? Anybody willfully sign up for like classes? Anybody work out on a regular basis and you sign up to just get destroyed? <laughs> yes, James McGregor. Yes, yes, you do. Um, it would be kind of like that. like that. That's how me in spiritual life is. I'm less like, can I willfully sign up for, like, self-wilderness rather than God, God-wilderness? Anyway, let's, let's move on. Right? Um, and, and so, like, how do we experience God's presence in this wilderness? So let me let me give you the, the big thought for this morning. Um, th- there should be notes in your uh bulletin, but um our deepest need or your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you, right? When your deepest need drives you to completely depend on God. Like when you're on the bottom and you're like there's no place else to turn, and it's only the Lord. That season can actually be a real gift. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into our text for this morning. Jesus, we give you praise for this morning. Lord, uh, thank you, Lord, that you're hands-on in our lives. You will never leave us nor forsake us, God. But we are aware that in times, Lord, when you lead us and guide us, it isn't always to the quiet pastures and the still waters. Sometimes, God, the best thing for us is to enter these seasons of uh, being in the valley or this morning talking about the wilderness And so, Lord, I just pray that we would have, uh, we leave here this morning with just a a deeper understanding of how you work, a deeper understanding of the type of love you have for us. Um, And Lord, I pray that you would uh, just give us capacity to, uh, yeah, partner with you in this journey toward godliness and holiness and righteousness. Thank you that um, you care for us enough where you want to be, hands-on. We don't want to be illegitimate children that, that, you know, only want the blessings of God and not actually the discipline of God, and so um, that's that's uh, that's next level Christianity, though. And so, Lord, just uh, yeah, help us to grab Your heart behind it this morning. Um, yeah, we love You, Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay, so our text this morning is going to come from First Kings. Little little church history this morning, um, this season of the Bible. Um, refers to um, the nation of Israel in their time of the kings. Uh, the nation of Israel had one king for most of its life, and that king was God. Thank you. Come on, church. Let's go. The first king of Israel was the Lord, right? But they wanted to be like everybody else, so they kept on crying to uh, Samuel, we want a king, we want a king. He said, you don't want a king. Like, all these kings are corrupt. Why? Because a little bit of corruption in every person. Amen. And he's like, i am going to tell you what the king is going to do. He's going to find out what's on his heart. He's going to enslave your kids. He's going to take your crops, right? And he's going to put you to work. And they're like, sign us up for that. And well, that's what they got. The first king of Israel that was a human was Saul. Thank you, right? And Saul did that very thing. Whatever was, was on his heart, he carried out, right? So he wanted his way, not God's way. God rejected him, right? He brought a second king. A king who was after God's own heart. Not a king that was flawless, but a king who hungered after God. Amen. And that king's name was David. Thank you. Right. Oh, answers up in there. He had a son. Right. The wisest of all people. Right. Uh, Wrote Proverbs. Wrote Ecclesiastes. Solomon. Solomon, though, didn't have a heart for the Lord like his father had. And by the end of Solomon's reign, the 12 tribes that made up the king of Israel had divided. The northern tribe was made up of, uh, the northern kingdom was made up of uh, 10 of the 12 divided kingdom, right? 10 of the 12 tribes. The tribe of Judah, right, was two of the remaining 12, right? And they coexisted kind of in in a little bit. Um, But what we find is the season of multiple kings, right, with two different nations, right, all the kingdom of Israel, but two different nations, and Right out of the gate, first guys that are leading the nation after Solomon, they didn't follow God and his ways. And it's just like that. The, the next king, the first king, second king, third king, fourth king, fifth king. It just was king after king after king. You, you read this. They did what was evil in the sight of God. And, and their, their main crutch was that they didn't obey the number one of the ten. You know the big ten? The Ten Commandments? like the first time humanity had a written document clearly outlining what was on God's heart for humanity number 1 have no other gods before me because in God's eyes there are no other gods so if you are going to other if you're going to worship other gods it's going to be things that you create in your own mind and God's like I'm the only one there's no one out there un- like me So whatever you worship is going to be made by your hand. Well, ready, set, go. Let's honor God. First step, boom. Right on their face. You know, like first thing out of the gate. Rather than honoring God and God only, they would rebuild these um, sanctuaries and temples and structures that were destroyed in the war. They rebuilt them and says, no, we're going to honor these other gods, right, Baal, Ashtoreth, like all these different gods that weren't gods in themselves, but these gods had a certain habit and practice, right, and, and, it, and, it, and it dealt in, in a lot of evil ways. Anyway, our story picks up with Ahab. So Ahab uh, was the seventh um, king of the northern tribe, right, so the ten tribes of Israel, the northern kingdom, Ahab was the seventh of those kings, And Ahab had married a a wife, Jezebel, who wasn't part of that people, um, an Israelite. And she was, you know, grew up in a godless home, in a godless kingdom, and lived her life in a godless way. Amen? Okay? And um, I'll just give you a little snippet before we get into our text. Um, In that season, God raises up this man called Elijah, right? Right? So Elijah steps onto the scene, and he has the anointing of God on his life. He's called to be a prophet, meaning he speaks on God's behalf, speaking into existence things that wasn't happening there. And a lot of times these prophets would go talk to the the big dogs because they were the ones in control, right? So they would go to the kings and the queens and be like, man, you're doing what is evil in the sight of God. You better turn or else, like, God's going to remove you. And either God removed them, or the kings would kill them. So it was like a short-lived thing, right? You like prophets. You know, none of them died happy and old, and like most of them died by the sword, right? And so Elijah steps up. The anointing of God is on him. Um, King Ahab's wife Jezebel is is not a God of Israel honoring woman, and so she raises up all these. Um, Uh, magicians and witchcraft and all these things and and so she has like 450 or so um, prophets and uh, so uh, Elijah confronts Ahab says Ahab you're not doing what is right in God's eyes and he goes Elijah you are a thorn in my flesh bro like you know and then literally he's like trying to kill Elijah and Elijah goes okay let's just do a test you and your wife call all your prophets and all your God people, right, and show up and bring all of Israel there, right? And let's put it to the test. Let's see whose God is real. Let's see whose God is strong. And so, like, 420, 450 of their prophets show up, and there's two different altars, right? And... Um, And uh, the the goal was, like, whose God is going to show up and consume this altar, right? So there's some sacrifices that happen, and all 400 or so of their uh, prophets and God people show up, and they're calling on Baal and calling on their gods, and come on, like, consume us, show yourself today. And it just goes on, hour after hour after hour. And Elijah starts mocking them. He's like, oh, maybe you should go louder. Maybe your God is sleeping. Maybe he went on a trip, bro. Like, maybe you should go. And they they get offended, and they start going louder and bigger. They start cutting themselves. Like, they start, like, mutilating each other. And he's standing back thinking, "Bruh, what is going on here, right? The whole day goes by. Nothing happens. And he goes, you guys finished yet? Right? He goes, okay, my turn. He walks up. To this altar, right, where, where they want to burn something, and there's, it's not lit yet, right, and there's not lit, and, and he goes, this is too easy. So he orders some people and says, hey, start bringing some jars of water. So they bring jars, and they dumping the jars. He goes, ah, it's not wet enough. Bring some more jars. Another set of jars. Ah, it's not yet. And they bring another set of jars, so much so that a trough had been built around it, and it's just covered in water. And he doesn't cry he doesn't shout. He doesn't call himself. He just prays. says, God of the heavens and the earth, come and show yourself today. Right? And God comes down and lights that altar on fire. He says, who's the real God today? Yeah? And kind of chaos breaks out and all 400 or so of those guys that showed up all die that day. They also are grabbing stars and say, oh, you guys are fake. And, and all of Israel's like, You guys are blinding us and deceiving us, and it's kind of a nuts rated art part of the scripture, okay? Um, Okay, so chapter 19. We good? Let's read. Then Jezebel, Ahab's wife, sent a uh, messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, By this time tomorrow, talking about those who had been slain by the sword that was her prophets. And so she's calling out him as being like, let the same thing happen to me if I don't do this to you first. Mountaintop experience, big victory. Like threats, like legit death threats. Okay. Then Elijah was afraid and he arose and ran for his life. Good response. You know, it it is a response, you know. He came to Bathsheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and sat down under the broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my fathers. Elijah went from this, just a pinnacle moment. and, And a lot of times those pinnacle moments are followed up by competition, trials, struggles, opposition, enemies. You know, Jezebel makes a legit death threat to Elijah, and he's like, you know, maybe we've prayed a similar prayer with God. God, i have doing all the right things. I feel like I pray. I feel like I try to treat people good. I, you know, pay my taxes. I tithe. I, you know, I, what else is there for me, God? Why am I here today? Anybody get frustrated like that? Where you just like, you, you, you're doing all the good things and you just, the result isn't what you thought it would be. This is real Christianity right here. This is like level 301 Christianity, right? 101 Christianity, God died for your sins. He loves you, cares for you also. But a loving, caring God is going to, like, lead you onto righteousness, right? And, and sometimes, like, he uses other people, other nations. Sometimes even, like, you look at the story of Job. Like, Job was an upright man, righteous in all the ways. And God's like, there's nobody in all of earth like Job. Right? And he allows Satan for a season to just kind of have his way for a little bit. I, I, I hope you're reading cover to cover Bible. Amen? That's, that's not a... I'm not teaching my middle schoolers about that type of God. But that's, that is the God that we serve. He loves us so much that... Well, let me just say it, say it this way. God knows that everything on this earth is Temporary. Amen? The thing that matters to God is eternity with us. And really, everything in this world is at his disposal, is at his use. Righteous people, unrighteous people, God can use anyone. He wants to, like, just work out his goodness and his glory. Ahab's there. Jezebel's there. Elijah gets to a place where he's like. If she's going to take my life, you might as well do it instead. Like, this is kind of not what I really signed up for. He's alone. He's traveled a far distance. Nobody else is around. It's just him and his thoughts and God. And and maybe God isn't even talking to him then. Like, at this point, there's no dialogue necessary from God. Maybe he traveled a far way, and he just cannot hear from the Lord. You talk to anybody who just started this Journey. I know a lot of you guys just kind of started in the last couple of years coming to the church on a regular basis, but you ask anybody who's been walking with God for a season, they legit have wilderness seasons where they're like, I, I, I'm doing all the right things, but I just don't feel God like I used to. I don't hear God like I used to. You know? Everybody's had these wilderness experiences, whether it's like physical or, or internal and spiritual. Where everything out, outside can be good, but inside you're like, man, I just, it's different. Well, I got married late in life, right? And so like for a long time I was single, you know, it just it was me and the Lord. So good, so fun. You know, what, Monday night worship till 10 a.m., I mean, 10, 10 p.m., I'm in, let's go, you know. Oh, what, service project here, boom, let's go. Like, like, my connection with God was attached to things that I could do all the time. And then, you know, then you have married and one kid and, oh, you know, got to be staying out till wee hours of the night and two kids, oh, oh, and three kids, oh, This morning, I left my house real early because Kalia is, like, five, and she hears anything. She's, like, up and running. Daddy, where are you going? I'm coming with you, you know? So I got to, like, sneak out of my house in the morning, you know, just to, like, like, I wanted to prep a little bit this morning, and I know if I stay home, my girl's going to wake up early, and then it's not prep time. It's, like, daddy time. And I'm not saying it's a wilderness, but it's different, you know? And I've definitely had those thoughts, like, man, I the same things that used to fill me up before with like worship nights and experiences and now I'm like I, I got to bring my girls along and it, and I love it it's just different you know and I've really had to have some one-on-ones with God like God I I know you know the season that I'm in right now is different than the season I was in before you know and and uh, you know there, there's some uncertainty right there's some like I know you love me I know you care for me I know you endure I know you're faithful even though things are different for me right now, you know? And not even like I asked for grace, but it's almost like I'm like, I hope you're gracious, you know? <laughs> like I hope it looks the same, you know? And, and, and his from his perspective, I, I know it's still the same. Like I, I'm, I'm sure if I don't go to worship nights, I, you know, I can still be a Christian. <laughs> um, I love that this is in the Scriptures, This is real life stuff right here, right? Elijah's a real man with a real call from God and some real issues right now, right? And he's in a place where he's just like kind of at the end of his road. He says, God, you might as well take my life rather than that lady, you know? Here I am, Lord. You sent me and now I'm running. You know, Elijah was doing some great things for God. And what was the result? Now people wanted to take his life. That's kind of the story of Christianity. I mean, outside of being American Christians, that, you know, like life, I don't know, life doesn't always end up worse when you become a Christian. Like most of the people in godless countries, they lose family, they lose friends, they get, you know, it's just, most guys. I I remember we, one of the organizations that we uh, sponsor and support is a persecuted church. They, they help churches that are persecuted across the world. And th- there's this one video that they had put out a few years back that talked about this pastor who was in this country who baptized 12 people um, uh, in the beginning of the year. And by the end of the year, all 12 had died through from persecution. It was like real. He's like, when we do baptisms, he's like, like it, it, for them, it, it matters, right? If you're going to make a public declaration of your faith in Jesus, like he he had to lay out for them the the possible consequences, and was like, at, by the end of the year, he he, you know, was like, this is like. He had never seen it that bad before, but just that season in that world, he's like, whoa, this is like, heavy, you know. You know, for. Uh, I love what, what Henry Cloud said, Some, sometimes when we're in the seasons of wilderness, we, we don't just need, um, we're, we're not just spiritually depleted, right? He says, uh, you're not just tired, you're spiritually depleted, you're not in need of physical rest um, as much as you need a spiritual replenishment, meaning like, that we don't just need a nap to get out of the wilderness, you know, you don't just need a vacation to get out of the wilderness, sometimes you just need the Lord, amen, to lead you out of that wilderness, Right? And that's, that's the thought, right? In, in the wilderness, it is the encounter with God, his presence, his provision, that is the only thing that's going to get us out. We all right? Yeah? It's almost like Elijah saying, God, I don't want to live like this anymore. I need you. And when we get to that place, the wilderness can shift from becoming a crutch to becoming a gift. Where do we want to be? Well, I'll speak for myself. right? Where do I want to be? I want to be where God is. Sometimes where God is isn't always easy. But at this point in my life, I've been in so many uneasy moments that I'm like, if it is your will, God, let's do it. Why? Because I get to see God in, in a way where I, I cannot notice him in, a, in, the, in any other easy season. Right? My prayer life changes, my life changes, my heart changes, and, and, and I leave those seasons of valleys, wilderness, storms different than I was before. Yeah. I love what uh, we, we, we talked about this last week, but just I, it, it applies for all these seasons, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in need of anything else. That's the interpretation. I shall not want, meaning God. In the valley, this was the valley from last week, right? God in the valley, God in the wilderness is my sufficiency, right? The, the valley, the seasons, the storms can be a real gift when we can get to a place where God, like everything else is, it's the sand, right? It's the uh, uh The wise man built his house on the rock. The foolish man built his house on the sand. Like, when all the sand is out and all there is is the hard ground to rebuild on, then true beginnings can, right, true God beginnings can start to to rebuild again. You know, but some of us hard-headed a little bit, you know, and it takes a little bit to chisel away, you know, the things of the world, the things of the flesh, the things of our past. But in those times of seasons, we can see God clearly and he can be our shepherd in such a way where we have no need for he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us, he the waters, and he restores our soul. So, so back to the story. Back to the story. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked Cake season, bake season, so good. Christmas season, let's go, right? All biblical, it's all biblical. Uh, There was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water and he ate and he drank and he laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came to him again a second time and touched him and says, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and he ate and he drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Harob to the Mount of God. What was the angel of the Lord aware of? His situation. His situation. Uh, what does Jesus say to the, the, the guys who are keeping the children away from him? Let them come for their angels see the face of God. Go read that in the New Testament. Like all the kids are coming to Jesus and all the adults are like, get away, get away. Like, you guys, no bodies, right? And Jesus says, what are you doing? Bring them. Their angels see my father on a daily. Maybe this angel knew, right? He is like, I'm a messenger, right? Elijah, you're a messenger from God. I'm an angel. I'm a messenger from God. Here's some restoration from the Lord to you because the road ahead of you, you cannot do it on your own. Who knows? So, so in, in a sense, what do we find in this angel being sent from God? Right, we understand that God knows the season that Elijah was in and was like, Here, go send him some provision. Amen? To send him some provision. He's at the end, he's hungry physically, right? He needs some spiritual encouragement. God sends his angel. Anybody have angels in your life? Like ones that you see, people that have. Anybody call people uh, like you're like, you're my best friend, but you're also my angel. Like you've come to me in the nick of time, that you've been a messenger of God in my life numerous times, right? This is one of them, right? The angel comes to Elijah in his time of need. I love what the Psalmist David, going back to Psalms 23, surely goodness and mercy will, will pursue me all the days of my life. We have a father who's not just sitting back and waiting for us to call out to him. He's pursuing us. He's with us in the valley. He's Emmanuel. Right? It's not a cool, like, phrase that you only talk about in Christmas. Like, it's a phrase that we can trust and build our lives on 12 months out of the year, that God is with me. Can you say that this morning in your spirit? Like I'm not trying to force you, but it's something good to just remind yourself, God is with me. Oh, what about my sin, Pastor? God is with you. What about my bad decisions? Think about the cross. God is with me. Go back to the scriptures. For God so loved the world that he gave. Think about the scriptures. Romans chapter 5. While we were still yet... Oh, come on, church. While we were still yet sinners, he died for us. So if you were your worst when he gave his best, surely when you're a little bit better than you were when you were the worst, God is still there. Amen? God is still there. He's pursuing us with provisions and presents. S-E-N-T-S, E-N-C-S, E-E-N-C, C-E-S. You guys got that? His presence in provision, but also his presence in the Holy Spirit showing up and saying, I'm here, I'm your comforter. I got you. Where do we want to be? Wherever God is. If God is in the pasture, kicking back, I want to be there. But if it's dry and it's a desert, And it's lonely, right? And it's only the Lord there. I want to be there. And Elijah rose, he ate and he drank, and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to hear of the Mount of God. Then he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah. Elijah says, I have been very jealous for the Lord and for the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I, only I am left, and they seek my life to take it away. God is there, and he's meeting Elijah in this place. What Elijah is unaware of is that he's not the only one left. What Elijah is unaware of is everything that God knows. Elijah felt like he was the only one on the limb, and there's nobody else, God. Nobody who loves you, nobody who cares for you, right? And he's in this place solo, right? And he's unaware of God's provision and what God is doing. And there are others, right? But the enemy is like this. The enemy isolates a lot of times. He draws us away a lot of times, right? But if we know that even if we're drawn away from people and we're drawn away, God can be there in the quietness. We can find some real strength there, right? Let's continue. And he said, go out and stand. So this is the God talking. Go out and stand in the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore the mountain and broke it in pieces and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Right? So he's in the cave and he says, Elijah, go stand out in the, in, in, in the midst of the cave, out at the entrance, and I'm going to show up. And there's this great strong wind that comes and things are falling apart. And Elijah, maybe in his mind, is thinking, thinking surely this is where God is. Right? But in the strong wind, God was not in there. And after the wind came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a low, gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance cave. Anybody ever ask, why a whisper? I mean, uh, Romans chapter 1 says, God is clearly seen in the things that he created. There's a part of God in creation that is known. But there was an aspect of God that he wanted to show Elijah that was more personal Than creation. You guys get that? Like you can see God in a a sunrise, sunset. You can see God in in big waves. You can see God in just the beauty of calm waters. But He does that for everyone. See, what Elijah needed wasn't the general God that's out there that is good and loving. What Elisha needed was a personal God that came to and says, Elijah, I'm here, bro. And he whispers a small, gentle message to him. And Elijah says, this is, this is different. And he takes another step forward because he knows he, the only thing he needs is to meet with his maker. To m- meet with the lover of him, the, the lover of his souls, the redeemer of his life. The, the only one who's going to have the saving grace to get him out of here. Maybe God was whispering because He was so very close. That's good, it's so good. God is right there with Elijah saying, Elijah, I'm here, bro. More than you would ever realize. Maybe, maybe Elijah knew that before, but maybe he had forgotten or, you know, maybe when he was crying out to God in the battle with Jezebel and all the prophets, he was still calling to God in the distance. And maybe the wilderness was just like, yeah, Elijah, that's good but I'm so much more than that. You know, maybe, maybe the threat of Jezebel taking his life was really for Elijah. You guys ever think about that? Maybe God was like, Elijah, there's more to me to be gotten. And, and we did some cool things there, and, you know, I made a, a big spectacle. But at the end of the day, God's like, you're the one I care for. It doesn't make sense, church. It doesn't make sense. That's the heart of the gospel. But it's counter to to the world. If we're running and we're afraid, you coward, beat it. Right? I mean, that's the world's response. What, you cannot handle it on your own? I'm going to find somebody else. You're fired. It's cutthroat out there in the world, right? The world is like, you got to do it. You know, men, you got to do it on your own. Women, sorry, women power, you got to do it on your own too. Faith, trust, hope, that's all weaknesses in the world. And yet in Christianity, that's, the, that's, God's like, those are the things that matter to him. God's like, I know you cannot do it on your own. You think you can do it on your own? Well, I'm going to lovingly show you that everything around you is temporary. Anybody learned that during COVID how small the world is? Holy smokes, right? COVID, I was like, wow, this world is actually way more fragile than I thought. You know? Like what happened in Lahaina, you're like, whoa, this is like, you know, on our homeland, you know? Like I hope we're, we're grabbing those things. Like you don't even have God to do that, but you need realization. Like man, things around us are way more temporal than we realize. And who knows that more than God, you know? And God's like, I got you. Everything that doesn't matter, he's in the business of sifting and taking. Because the scriptures surface it, let me just talk about loss and death. It, hardship, death, troubles, those things, I, I think, you know, alongside of, you know, Christians that don't represent God well, I mean, a, a lot of people are get to a place where they ask the question, God, where are you? Are you even there? You're not there. You're not real. I'm going to trust in something else in seasons of great loss, you know? Like, I'm talking about people that you care about that just die. And you're confronted with this realization that, like, is God really there? Right? And all these questions arise. What do we do then? Right, What do we do then? God, I'm faithful. I love you. I care for you. I, I love you. I love people. I prayed for, you know, your word says to pray for healing. And I prayed for my loved one to get healing and never get healed. And now they're not with me anymore. How could you do this, God? How could you? Where are you in the midst of all of this? You know, and and people can get into a, a real dark place and a real wilderness season. There's a lot of unknowns sometimes, right? A lot of questions that people have a hard time answering in seasons like that. Where is God in that? My, my advice to you is go back to the scriptures. The heart, in the heart of the gospel is the answer to life and death. That Jesus knew, right? God knew. And God made provision for his son to be sent to endure so that faith would birth something else, right? That death wouldn't have the final say. That death wouldn't have the final victory, right? That God would have the final say in victory. And so he makes provision for the deepest, darkest parts of life, namely death. I mean, if you go through a season of wilderness and you come out of there, that's, that's one thing. But when, when people don't come out, God is still supreme. God is still on the throne. And God still knows. That's the heart of the cross. The cross is what? Empty. That's the heart of the tomb. What is the tomb? Empty, you know? The right hand of God the Father is what? Not empty. Amen? Jesus is seated there waiting and wanting, and planning, and preparing for us to join Him in there. That's that's Christianity. The heart of Christianity. God makes provision for death. That there's life after. Resurrection. Nobody talks about resurrection outside of Christianity. That's the hope, right? So faith is the things that we like can see, right? Uh, uh, what is it? Love, right? Is, is the practice. Hope. What is the hope? The things that never happened yet that we are just planning on happening right our prayers for our loved ones we praying for that right resurrection of those who've fallen already amen for Jesus return. anybody waiting like you're working out in the morning not to stay healthy just in general but you're trying to stay healthy so you can Jesus see Jesus coming on the. I, I, don't, I think about that all the time you guys caught that like either we're going to come with him on the clouds or we're going to be here and we're just going to right I want to be here be like oh I see him coming you know <laughs> How's this promise? Psalms 34:18 The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Anybody brokenhearted this morning? God's not far. Anybody need some saving today? I know of a saving grace that is made present through our saving Lord. Amen though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows with blessing surely goodness and mercy will follow me pursue me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love Psalms 139. It's just a the whole chapter is good, but a couple verses. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to the heavens you are there. If I go down to the grave you are there. If I ride on the wings of the dawn or the morning <clears throat> If I dwell and settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Even there your strength will support me. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to completely surrender to him. You know, if you sat back and tried to plan out 2024, anybody planning 2024? (laughs) You know, chances are you're like, you know, planning on staying healthy, planning economy, stabling out, planning on jobs and income. Nobody's planning a valley experience. Nobody's planning like a spiritual wilderness. But God knows what is best for us. Amen. He knows that we're so limited in our vision and he's like, I got you. Will you just trust in me and walk with me? Because in the end, it's just you and me anyway. Amen? That's good, church. That's good. I got... As I'm sharing this, it ministers to me, you know? Like, God is with us in in all situations. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. And then we'll... uh, We'll close out our our time this morning. Jesus, we give you praise for this morning. We give you praise, God, for this day. Thank you, God, for the promises that are found in your word. Emmanuel, God with us, is a name that was given to you 2,000 years ago, and it still rings true today. Lord, what I prayed earlier, you know, eyes to see you, ears to hear you, and a heart Lord, soft enough to receive what you have. Um, Lord, I, I pray that that was answered this morning, God, that, that we would leave here just with this awareness that, man, God is with me. Lord, I pray that we would speak that phrase into everything that we got going on in our relationships, finances, in our relationships, um, uh, Struggles and our triumphs, addictions, God, our victories, every every facet of our lives, God, I pray that we would speak that out, that God is with me. God, thank you that you have a heart for life, more life and abundant life, God, and I speak that over each person this day. God, thank you that you, uh, John 112, right, that all those who um, called by your name, that if we would uh, receive you, you know, that we would believe in you. You would give us the right to become sons and daughters of God. And so this morning, God, I, I love that, you know, that not only can we receive you, but you've received us, right? You've you've chosen us. You called us by name. You you are pouring out your love upon us already, God. And so, Lord, I, I, I just pray for a, just a response from us today to just say, God, I trusted you. I cannot see you sometimes. I cannot hear you sometimes. But I know your heart, God. I know your the 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 quality of love that you have for me God and so I'm gonna rest on the things God that scriptures are that scripture is clear about this morning and if there is a name that was given to you God two thousand years ago that really captures your heart it's Emmanuel God with us. So Lord as we this year comes to an end and new year starts, you know, we're thinking about that. I just pray that we would always just be thinking God I know you're with me. What is your way, right? What is your best? What is your heart? And so we cast all our cares on you this morning, God, and we pray that you would replace that um, with joy, with peace, with strength, your grace this morning. Um, yeah, we honor you. We honor you this day, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.